I wanted to really ask us a question, really think about something about us and our engagement with God and, and about Israel and their, about their engagement with God. And, and my question that I wanted us to kind of consider today was why do we have to pray for Israel today? Why? I mean, they're God's natural people. Um, God literally calls Abram out of paganism and out of a land where he was seemingly wealthy and doing well and, and calls him out to become what the Jews would say would be the first Jew. And then he has, you know, Isaac, and then Isaac has Jacob, and Jacob has 12 sons, and this nation just grows, and it becomes a force, becomes a force for God's kingdom to invade the earth. Why is it that, that we would pray for them today? And, and what I wanted to really just kind of relay to you and, and just make us think about for a little bit is that the reason that we're praying for Israel today is because they squandered their moments when God showed up in their lives. Luke chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, this is Jesus speaking, says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not, what? Willing. You weren't willing. In other words, you had a choice. Hear this, this is important. We have choices. God comes into our lives, and God comes into a service, and God comes into our space. And, and at that moment, you have a choice to allow him to do what it is that he wants to do or to continue to do what it is you want to do yourself or maybe the direction you've been going or maybe uh, you know, being driven by your desires, all the things that it can be, you have a choice between allowing God to come in and change and transform your life or not. It's amazing that Israel's story is a story of, it, it, it's one that, it, it boggles the mind. When you think about that a God, that the God, that, that the one true living God stepped out of heaven and, and, and broke into time and calls, causes a, a bush to burn that catches the attention of this old guy who's a shepherd who lost the sheep. And, and he goes over and God calls him to go into the nation he'd come out of, where he had been a prince and part of the ruling family. We're talking about Moses, by the way. To go back and to be the deliverer for Israel. God breaks into time to do this. God broke into time to set a nation free. To have, it, to have a nation 
come to him. To have a, a nation be a representation of what the kingdom of God could look like in the world. And yet, if you look at the history of Israel, there's just fragments of time. Fragments of time when they looked like God's kingdom. Most of the time, they're wrapped up with their own things. They're wrapped up with their own desires, their own devices. They're going after, you know, materialism of the world around them. Or worse, the gods of the pagans that they depossessed the land from. And yet, when they were with God, when, when God was the center of their lives, when, when they had a leader that was focused on serving the Lord and bringing his kingdom into the kingdom of Israel, there was nothing like Israel in the world. Nothing like it. David slays giants and, and raises up men who are giant killers. They become a people who are a, a people who are not only just great warriors, but they're great worshipers. People who, who know why it is that they're blessed. And people who understand who it is that is with them. The God of angel armies that we sang about earlier. But what about the other 90% of, of their time? They're spending it wrapped up in, in varying degrees of, of distraction. And when they were really wrapped up in paganism, that's what caused them to have to lose their land and go into captivity. And that starts their whole history of oppression under the Greeks and then under the Romans later. It, it, it's, it's out of their disobedience that came their disaster. Why did Israel miss it so often? Because of their choices. Today, each of us in here, right now, I want you to understand this. This is important. Right now, each of us in this room has opportunity. You have breath in your body. You, you chose to get dressed, and you, you came to church. You wanted to hear something from the Lord, hopefully. At least you wanted to hear good music. We got that part settled. Thank you, Chris, and the band. But, you know... We have an opportunity right now where, where God is going to come into this space and he's going to allow for you to, to have a moment that you can engage with him and, and step into a, another step of promise. You may, you may already know Jesus, but what else does he have for you to discover about him? Or maybe you don't know the Lord at all, and maybe he just is trying to introduce you to himself. So that you can find out what it is really that he has for your life. But see, each of us, no matter where you are, whether you've been a Christian all your life, or whether you've just walked in here from off the street and you've never even heard of this Jesus, wherever you are, I want to say this. God is right here, right now, in the place where he wants to break out in your life. But we have to be willing to allow him to. It comes down to choice. It really does. And so I want to just say on the front end of this, if there's a point in this message or there's a point in this day when, when all of a sudden Jesus shows up to you and you see him maybe in ways that you never saw him before, I want you to respond to that. 
Because when God shows up to you in a new way, it's important to grab hold of that and step into it because God can only be what you see him to be. Now that may sound weird. Let me unpack that a little bit. If you don't see him as a healer, he can't heal you. The people who were Pharisees back in the day of Jesus, there's, there's a moment when, when it says that he's having lunch with the scribes and the Pharisees. These are Jesus' opponents at that time in history. And, and they're having lunch. They're going to have lunch in just a few minutes. And the scripture says this amazing thing. It says the spirit of the Lord was present to heal them. And yet, nobody got healed that day. Because they didn't see him as a healer. And so when you today, if you see something new, if you see something that, that God has for you, something where, where maybe you, you see a, just a spark of faith in an area that maybe you never had before, grab hold of that. And grab hold of him in that. And let him change you in that. Because those moments are the moments that we have to be willing to catch. Now, the things that distract from that is so often what's around us. The reason that Israel so often missed what God was doing is because it seems that that Israel could not see past their natural events going around them. They couldn't see past where they were to see what God was doing in their lives. You know, we talk, we're talking about Moses somewhat today, and he was the deliverer of Israel. And, and when you read the story, it's amazing, because Moses is sitting there, Exodus 14, 10 through 11. It says this, it says, When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel opened their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, Check this out. They said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have brought us out to die in the wilderness? <laughs> I love that statement. It just cracks me up. Have, what have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? I want you to understand this. Doubt, doubt is faith in what you are experiencing. Did you hear that? It's important because a lot of times we're trying to, oh, if I could just muster up faith. What you really got to do is you've got to not worry so much about mustering up your faith to receive the answers. You've got to stop staring at your doubt and having faith in that. So many times we're, we're looking at the things that, that are troubling us and our faith is in our natural situation more than it is in the Lord. We see this here, you know, with Israel, you've got, you've got this nation of people. Scripture says, if you read in the beginning of, of Exodus, it says that, that they were crying out to God for deliverance. And so God sends Moses. And, and Moses comes and he shows them his three tricks. He throws his staff down, becomes a snake. He, he, he puts... His, his hand in his cloak and he pulls it back out and it's leprous and he puts it back in and he pulls it back out and it's whole and healed. And so God, God's showing that he's there with this man. And so he goes to, 
to Pharaoh and says, hey, let my people go. And what does Pharaoh do? He goes, oh, you just doubled their workload. And so the people of Israel, get this. The people of Israel have just seen miracles. They've just seen a wooden staff become a snake. And a dude's hand go from whole to rotting to whole. Pretty good tricks, right? And so he goes and he makes a declaration. And all of a sudden they're angry at him saying, Oh, you show up and now we've got more work to do. Thanks, Moses. So they cry out and they go, you know, they, 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 they are crying out after him, angry that he showed up to set him free. See, but, but Moses starts working because the Lord has a purpose. And all of a sudden these plagues start coming, right? And so there's all these plagues come into Egypt and, and the Pharaoh goes, hey, you know, stop that. And then he changes his mind the next day and he's a mess up until the Passover. Passover comes, and for those of you who don't know the story, if you, if anyone who's younger than, say, uh, 40 ought to go watch Prince of Egypt. This is a super cool movie. Lots of fun. Um, but, but the death angel goes through Egypt and kills the firstborn of every house where there isn't blood on the door from a lamb called the Passover. And all of a sudden, they leave Egypt. And it's like, woohoo, you know, partay. They're partying, they're singing songs, they're beating their tambourines. It's going to be awesome. You know, they just, they got a whole bunch of money for the Egyptians going, hey, just leave, man. How much is it going to cost? Yeah, I'll just pay you. Get, please, go. But then they, they get to the point that God leads them to the Red Sea. And they're hanging out there. And all of a sudden, they hear something. And they look behind and they see chariots. And they see Pharaoh's army coming after them. And, and in that moment, they're saying to him, Moses, were there not enough graves in Egypt that you brought us out here for us to die? Can you imagine? Did you not see the ten plagues? Did you not see that, that the angel of death passed through the whole land and, and killed the firstborn just so that you could leave? And I, I, I've sat there in amazement so many times, and I've heard Christian brothers and sisters say, oh, and they get all frustrated. They're like, those crazy Israelites, you know, they never had any faith. But too often, aren't we the same people? Isn't that us? Am I the only Israelite in the room? Because <laughs> sometimes I just feel like I'm just that dumb. Like, we, we look with desperation at our moment of need. And we look at it with complete faith that we're going to be completely destroyed and overrun by it. And, and somehow we catch amnesia to all that God has already done. We forget that, that instead, of, instead of looking at what God has done in our lives and looking clearly at the God who is above all things and the God who has worked through all this stuff to set us free, we're looking squarely at our dilemma. 
with complete faith it's going to kill us. So many times we talk about the things that we need. I need surgery. I have cancer. I am an addict. I'm unemployed. Are these real needs? Yeah, they're real needs. Real needs that hear me. I want you to understand this. Real needs that need real answers. I'm not here to just spiritualize this and go, you know, it's all, gonna, it, it's all great. Everything's cool as long as you're, you know, whatever. There's real needs because there's real life. But this is the thing I want you to understand. It is, it is us looking at Jesus that changes the game. It is not looking at our problem and looking at how big the giant is, David. It's looking at how big the God is that's standing behind you. You know, we ever be a, when, when you're a little kid, probably this is a guy thing. Probably no girls do this. But all you men in the room, or all you young men in the room, you ever go, like, on the playground when you were a kid, and, like, and, like some kid sitting there, and he's playing with you? He might be your best friend, but something comes out of your mouth like, my dad could beat up your dad. <laughs> Am I lying yet, men? Right? I mean, you could be playing football with your best friend. You're hanging out, shooting hoops, whatever. You're, you're, you're playing G.I. Joe or whatever. And all of a sudden, just out of your mouth, my dad could beat up your dad. Because there's a confidence in, in who, hear this, there's a confidence in who stands behind you. Now, your dad may be Five foot three and 105 pounds soaking wet with lead boots on. But you got confidence in him. And yet so many times we come up against our problem. And we're looking at this problem, which may be big. Goliath was said to be almost 10 feet tall. How many know that's a big problem? Yeah. David was Jewish. That means he probably wasn't much taller or bigger than me. That means he's almost twice as tall as I am. That's a big problem. See, but, but so many times we come and we stare at the problem instead of looking at our father who's behind us. And he's a whole lot bigger than a 5'3", 105-pound, soaking wet with lead boots on dude. He's the king of glory. He's the God who spoke and made everything He's the one who, who shapes the universe. It says, he extends the stars by his finger. That's who it is who's your father. And when we go to him, and we've got our problems, this is not to negate that our problems are real. It is to negate that they have the final say in my life. I love the fact, you know, that Hank's sitting over there right now. I love that. I love that Hank is sitting there, that he can hear these words, that he can be here with us. Because a month ago, Hank was in bad shape. And a month and a half ago, doctor had his hand in his chest for over half an hour, massaging his heart so that he didn't die. 
All the while, the, the nurses and the doctors are telling Lucy, well, he may be a vegetable. If he makes it through, he's probably going to be a vegetable. He no doubt had brain damage in that time that he was getting his heart massaged. But then he comes out and he's not a vegetable. And then, then he's got some problems with speech. And, and they go, well, this could be it. He may not ever be able to really be able to speak well anymore. But then he does. And then, and then it was, you know, well, he, he might not ever gain back the, the strength that he had in his, his limbs before. Before all this happened. And, and like two days later, he's like, I want to stand up. They're like, no, 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 hey, hey, why don't you just relax a little bit? Why don't you not take so many risks? And Hank's like, I want to stand. So what does he do? He stands up. You see, the people there at the hospital who are wonderful people that have gone to school for a long time and are really smart know what science says, knows what Probably is going to be the diagnosis. This is going to be the way it is for the rest of your life, Hank, except unless you trust the Lord. Yeah. Unless you be like Lucy and Hank, Lucy was hilarious. She'd be like, Thank you very much, Doctor. I know that you don't, you think that. You know, you don't want my hopes crushed, but you don't know who I'm praying to. They'd all be like, oh, I don't know how she's going to deal with it when it doesn't work. Well, honey, it worked. You see, it is not, folks, it is not that we don't look at the problem. It's that we know who is with us in the midst of it. That we know who it is that we're praying to. That we know who it is that is standing behind us. His name is Jesus. He's the conqueror of death. He's got the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He is the victor, the overcomer, the conquering king. That's who our father is. That's who we pray to. And when you are sitting there staring at your problem and your faith is more in that than it is in him, you just need to realign where you're looking. See, the faith that changes your life is not faith in what you're experiencing in your natural existence, but faith in the God who is the God of the natural and the supernatural. You know what I love about being full gospel, Pentecostal, charismatic, however you want to package it? It's that we know he shows up. We know he shows up. When I first got saved, I would tell folks, I'd be like, look, dude, if this wasn't real, I'd rather just be at home in my pajamas watching football. But see, when I, when I found him, when he came into my life and started showing up, it changed everything. And I showed up to church not for any other reason than I knew Jesus would be there, and I wanted to see what he was going to do today. And the most amazing things happen when we come to church not to check the box and not to just simply be faithful and not to just drop our tithes in the, in the offering, but to go there because Jesus is coming and I just want to see what he's going to do today. It's when we change our view 
and move it from what is in front of us to what God we're dealing with. Do you need a miracle today? Do you need a miracle? Healing, finances, mental healing, emotional healing, freedom from addiction, your marriage healed. Do you need a miracle today? Because the reality is this. For so many of you, I want to just ask you this one thing. If you need a miracle, I'm going to ask you to do this one thing. Instead of looking at your problem, I want you to look back. I want you to not only look back at the God who's with you, but I want you just to take a minute. I literally want you to just spend about the next 30 seconds. I'm going to be quiet so you can think. I want you to just look back in your life and look at what God has already done for you. What miracles has God already done? Think about it just for a couple minutes. How many times have you bumped into the impossible to only have God show up? How many times have you faced Adversity, with no way out, only to have God part a Red Sea in front of you, that you would walk out on dry ground. You see, for so many of you, all you've got to do is look back. If you want to know what a miracle looks like, all you've got to do is look back and see what God's already done. For some of you that are here, all you got, if you want to know what a miracle feels like, reach out and grab the hand of the person next to you right now. Reach out and grab the hand of the person, I mean this for real, reach out and grab the hand of the person next to you right now. I want you to ask them this question. Has God ever done anything crazy for you? If the answer is yes, I want you to know this. What a miracle feels like is the hand of the person that's sitting next to you right now. See, your miracle, you are one. The miracle of miracles is that you're still here. The miracle of miracles is that you didn't backslide or leave or, or die. The miracle of miracles is that you're still here and that somebody can reach out and touch you and feel and know what a miracle feels like. See, God wants that for all of you. I'm not promising you more than he promises. I will tell you this, though. And I'm wrapping up right now because the band's here and they told me it's time I got to stop talking. (laughs) They didn't really say that. I'm just teasing Chris. No, thank you for being here because the real deal is this, guys. It doesn't matter what else I say. Hear this. What matters is what you say right now. Because the real deal is that there is an opportunity before us. There's an opportunity before us right now. It's the same opportunity that Israel was given. Jesus is here.
And because he's here, anything can happen. What do you need from him? What do you need? What miracle? What situation? What answer is it that that you need right now to be able to step forward into the next thing that he's, he's got for you? Because this is the one thing you need to do. You need to get his attention. Because the reason, the reason that so many people did not get healed, and if you read the, the, the text, if you read the Gospels, those that got healed were those that were like, Hey, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. That happens over and over and over again. Blind Bartimaeus in Jericho, the leper who comes to him in, in Matthew 4. And everybody in between, Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, they come to him and they go, Hey, Jesus, I need you to come with me. I need you to heal my situation. There's got to be something in us that we are no longer going to just sit passively by, hoping that somehow some some whisper of glory is going to just whisk by. We're going to grab hold of it and then... And just allow for just to caress our face and we'll just be healed. Get a hold of God. Amen. This is not, hear this. This is not some little sissy religion. It says that the violent take it by force. We have got to determine that we are not going to allow God to just simply leave this room without me getting a hold of him. But that choice is yours. But I believe that today there's some people in this room that know their miracle is in the house. Yes. And so right now I want you to stand. The band's going to sing. But this is what I want for you to do. I want you to determine that you are going to get a hold of God. You may leave here feeling different. You may leave here with the same limp you walked in with. But this is the one thing I want you to know when you leave here. Is that you have been touched by the hand of the potter. That he has come and he has touched you. And that he has begun something new inside of you today. Because if you say that, you may not walk out completely whole, or you might. But if he begins the healing, how many know that scripture says that, that he that has begun a good work in you shall complete it? Amen. We got to just step up and step in. We've got to decide. We have got to decide that we are going to touch and be touched by the king today. And so if you want to respond to God, respond to him. If you need to come up front to do that, come on. If you need healing in your body, you can ask the person next to you to pray for you. The Holy Ghost in that person is as alive and well as it is in me. You don't need me to come pray for you, though I might. But I want you to just do as you feel. If you need to just come up here and pray, if you need healing, tell somebody. If you need a miracle financially, if you need a mental miracle, a healing in your emotions or in your mind, if you need a healing in your body, if you need provision for yourself financially, if you need a miracle in your children, whatever your situation, determine, be willing to let him gather you because he will change your life.
Amen. Come on if you need to come. In Jesus' name, amen.